Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. So good. Hey, so good to see you guys. Thank you for being here. I love you. Don't get comfortable. Come on, stand on your feet. (laughs) We're going to jump right into the word. We're in our third weekend studying the subject of prayer, and I'm so excited because God's growing us. He's doing a great work in us. He's doing a great work in me. I'm growing in prayer, and that is going to continue today. God's going to meet us. He's going to speak to us. Luke chapter 11 is our text that we have stepped from every weekend as we study the subject of prayer. Verse 1 says this, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So right now, let's just lift our hearts to God. And I want us to ask that same question. Lord, would you teach us to pray? So from your heart as we pray, just ask the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray today. So God, we do. We lift our hearts to you and we come to you. God, teach us to pray. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would meet us, that we'd see your heart, that we would know you in a new, fresh way where it would transform the way that we come to you, the way that we we bring our lives to you. Lord, let your joy fill our hearts today. We worship you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, come on. We're three weeks into this series and uh, we, we started and, and we, we framed the, the month this way, that we have taken the word pray, and, and it, it is an acronym for us and just understanding the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And so we started that the P stands for pause. And so when we start, to start to pray, you first must stop. And we talked about pausing simply means stepping out of our normal routine, the busyness, the noise of life, and posturing ourselves in a way of saying, God, what do you want to say? Lord, I'm not just going to try to force you into a part of my day. I'm going to stop and give you my attention. I'm going to invite you to do and to say what only you can say and what only you can do. And so we start by stopping. And then last week we talked about the word rejoice, that the R stands for rejoice. And it's that place of adoration and thanksgiving. Really recognizing. And, you know, Jesus didn't just throw a nice start. It wasn't just a salutation to God to start the Lord's Prayer. Those words are there with purpose. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so as Jesus taught his disciples... He, he said, hey, this thing is going to begin and end with adoration. It's going to begin and end with a, a recognition of the incredible place that you and I have been invited to. An audience with the, the king, the God of the universe that every single one of us has been invited to. It's amazing. And so this place of rejoicing, this place of adoration, and we we talked about that there are obstacles to that, one being that a distorted view of who the Father is, it's going to stop and frame our prayers in a way that uh, isn't helpful. 
If we view God as a, as a father who is distant, who is unconcerned, who is angry, then that puts a filter on how we approach him. And I want us to take this to heart, and I want you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And this is something that I have a growing awareness of, even in my own life. You know, sometimes I recognize that I'm treating the God of the universe like he's a good, loving, middle-class dad. Let me explain what I mean by that. Like, I'll sometimes be hesitant to bring things from my life because I just think, well, you're so good. And, you know, like, I saw the news and I saw what's going on and I know you're busy. And I want to be a good son, and a good son just doesn't bother his dad with things. And so I'm not going to, I'm just going to hold on to this, because you're, you're, you've, you've got better things to do with your time and your power. Listen, that's as distorted as viewing God as angry and vengeful. It gives a filter that is untrue and a lie of who our God really is. And I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want to show you this in Scripture. And so we're getting to this place. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about rejoicing. And we're getting to the the A in this acronym, which stands for ask. Asking is this place of request. This place that, that many of us, sometimes it's the only place that we know of prayer. And... Scripture directs us in a way where we don't have to be hesitant with bringing the request of our lives to God. And God's going to build faith in your hearts today as we hear him talk about it and direct us in this way. And so looking at God from a correct perspective, we're going to bring this place of petition to him. So there's two places of asking that we're going to talk about today. And this is the first, the place of petition And petition, it's simply this, where I bring the request of my life to God. The things that that I see, that I care about. And the Lord's Prayer is wrapped in this. And so we have adoration at the beginning and the end. But in between, we have all of these requests that come out. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And it's in that statement that we see a personal petition. God, today I have needs. Today I'm going to bring my needs to you. This is the place of petition. And I want to have a good theological conversation with you about this and really answer a deep, deep theological question that is this. Does God care about your parking spots? I had a friend that growing up that we would go and, and it was a big deal for us in, in growing up outside Minneapolis, we'd go to the Mall of America. That was a big deal for us. 
And so we'd ride with my friend and this drove me crazy because we'd get there and I'd be so excited, you know, just to go in like, this is awesome. I wore my coolest stuff today and it's going to be awesome. So I'd be there and we'd be driving through the parking lots and my friend's mom wouldn't just park in a parking spot. She would pray as she drove. God, I ask you for the best parking place. And I'm in the back seat and just high and mighty in my theological brain going, God, I know you don't care about a parking spot. What is she doing? This isn't scriptural. This is ridiculous. And and I'm not kidding. This is not an exaggeration. Time after time after time, the best parking spot would open up and she would pull into it. And then I'd be stuck. And I'd be like, do you, do, you, do you care about parking spots? Could it be? Like, I've asked you for national championships for the Oklahoma Sooners. And you care about a parking spot? I'm completely baffled. I don't know that God cares about parking spots. I do know that where there was a place where there wasn't thanksgiving, where God wasn't invited to, somebody said, I'm gonna invite God into this place. And a small spot of concrete became holy ground because it became filled with thanksgiving and someone that was willing to invite God into a moment. These are transforming. So maybe it's not about whether or not God answers our request of saying, hey, I need a good parking spot. Maybe it's about you and I having a faithful heart to respond to how he's asked us to come to him in shameless persistence, inviting him and creating holy ground in the moments of our lives that need to be redeemed. Could it be? This is the place of petition. This is the place. Look how scripture forms this. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 says this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Listen to these words. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Jesus, this is words in red, quoting Jesus saying this word, you can pray for anything. And you know what, my, my religious mind looks at that and I want to put an addendum to that. You know what you, what you find when you look up anything in the Greek? You know what it means? It means anything. <laughs> Philippians 4 says it this way, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So we got anything and we got everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The apostle James goes even farther in verse 2 of chapter 4. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Then he ends with these words, you do not have because you do not ask. 
I don't believe that our hearts need to grow in a manner of going, God, can you handle big things? I believe that our hearts are being invited by the Holy Spirit to say, will you trust me with what you have deemed as the little things? Have we set ourselves up as an internal judge trying to determine what is valuable enough to bring to God? Instead of simply looking at him and trusting, taking him for his word and saying, you care about it all. And so I'm going to bring it all to you. This is the place of petition. Anything, everything. Karl Barth says, it's the fact that a man comes before God with his petition, which makes him a praying man. Other theories of prayer may be rich and profoundly thought out and may sound very well, but they all suffer from a certain artificiality because they miss this simple and concrete fact, losing themselves in heights and depths where there's no place for the man who really, pray, who really prays, who is simply making a request. It's what the word actually means. The word pray means to ask earnestly comes from the Latin word precari, which means to entreat. This is what God has given us this place to do. We don't have to be bashful. Think about Luke chapter 8 as God continues. Jesus is continuing this teaching on prayer. In the boundaries that he gives us, anything, everything, and then he says this, pray with shameless persistence. My, my religious mind goes to the persistence part. I, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'm just going to work. I'm just not going to quit. I'm just going to keep praying. That, that's easy to connect with. But have we asked the Lord to speak to us? Are we willing to, to allow him to say, hey, I'm asking you to to grow in this area. Come on, come with me in this area of shameless persistence. You know who gets that really, really well? Who could write a book on it? My children. They do not struggle with shameless persistence. We have one that, that for every meal, if she could, she would eat popcorn at every meal. One time, Anna and I, we, we got a night away, and so Anna's mom stayed with the kids. And when we came back, we discovered that they didn't eat dinner, but they ate nine bags of popcorn. Nine. It's amazing. And, and they get this. They, they, they don't struggle with shameless persistence. Why? Because they know that I got a pretty good mom and dad. And I know that the resources are there. I know it's not a struggle for resources, so I, I'm just going to ask. I'm going to keep asking. And even if they roll their eyes, I'm going to keep asking. Can our prayers be described as shameless persistence? Lord, grow us in this area where we bring you the areas that we have deemed previously too little and unimportant. Petition is this first area. The second area is this place of intercession. Man, that sounds like a good churchy word, doesn't it? Like, ooh, 
Intercession. It's like a level 10 Christian word. This is how I want you to, to understand this. Petition are the prayers that are represented by our lives. The requests from our lives. Intercession are the requests and the needs that are represented by others' lives. This is the place that as God grows us and as our attention on him transforms how we see him and the lies of a distorted view of who he is as a father begin to fall away, then we see in knowing him clearly, not only has he invited me to meet my needs, but he's invited me to a place of bringing the brokenness that surrounds me to him. This is intercession. And you know what? Jesus perks up in a way that we don't see anywhere else in the Gospels when people step into this place of intercession. Think about the account of the, the man that's paralyzed and he's lying in, on a stretcher and his friends, they know we just got to get him to Jesus. And there's unity in that. There's unity in this group saying, hey, we're going to get him to Jesus. And so they get him to where Jesus is teaching but the house is filled. They can't get to Jesus. And so, you know what? They didn't quit. They got up on the roof. And so they're ripping a hole in the roof and they drop, they lower their friend down to Jesus. And you know what Jesus, what, it, what the gospels say? It doesn't say that Jesus immediately looks at this guy. He, he sees him, but then he looks and it says that he saw their faith, not the faith of the man on the stretcher, it says that he saw their faith and a miracle happened. A man is raised up, sins forgiven because somebody said, I'm going to intercede on behalf of the brokenness that I see around me. Jesus sees the faith that fills our hearts when we choose to bring those around us to him. You know, if anybody had an excuse and, and had a reason, an actual reason why they shouldn't come to Jesus, it would be the Roman centurion. We, we have this account, the Gospels give us this account of a Roman centurion representing, and think about that, Jesus is a Jewish man and a Roman centurion, by all probability, probably having a hand in crucifixion, oppression, you could say terrorism as, as the empire of Rome crushed any resistance that it came across. And he was the representative of that. And yet he saw something different in Jesus that enabled him to go like, I, I'm, I'm just not going to be bashful. I got a servant here that I love and he's dying and I know, I know if that man will do something about it, things are going to change. And so he pushes past all of that. He comes before Jesus. It's not just that he does that. I want you to see the response that, that the Lord has. He gets to Jesus and he says, listen, you don't even have to come to my house. If you'll just speak a word, I know my servant will be healed. I'm under authority and you're under authority. I see it, I recognize it. Jesus responds differently than he does in any other account. He, he looks at him and, he, and then he, he addresses everybody around. He says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. A miracle happens because someone chooses to intercede on behalf of another.
When we come to Jesus, this is birthed in us. This is something that we will never, ever get away from. Why do we end every service with a prayer team here? This is intercession. It's not a level 10 moment. It's a level first step moment. We don't ever leave it. Why, why is that? It is because the life that has filled our hearts as believers in Jesus has come from the life of an intercessor. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is the great intercessor that stepped in the gap between a holy God and a sinful man. And so when we believe in him and we look to him, that, that call of an intercessor fills our hearts. That burden of an intercessor fills our hearts. Scripture talks about this with such great clarity. Hebrews chapter 7 says this, There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Do you know that he's never left that place of intercession? Today, he stands interceding for you and I. He stands in a place where he invites us saying, hey, when you believe in me, you are in me. And therefore, the gap between the father and sinful man has been ended. And so our request, whether they be for those around us or whether they be from our own lives, our requests are not hindered. They are brought right to the hands of a faithful, good God. This is what he does. He's in that place. Intercession isn't just an individual thing. Second Chronicles points us to this, that actually our intercession can be moved in a way and we can walk with the Lord in a way where an entire land is healed because we choose to take up this call. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is being made in this place. For I've chosen and consecrated this house that my, my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Why is that important? God is speaking over a temple. This was a physical temple that Solomon built. The temple's dedicated. It's filled with the presence of God. It is a place of intercession. This is the Old Testament place where God's presence filled and a priest would go and make sacrifices. He would intercede on behalf of the people. But because of Jesus, the temple that used to be built by human hands is now a temple that, have been, that has been made by the hands of God. You know what that temple is? It's you and it's I. 
It is our lives being filled with the presence of God. Jesus intercedes for you and I. He never leaves that place so that you and I will never ever question whether or not we can be taken out of his hands. I have such a strong burden for believers that wrestle with this place of going, could it, could it be true? Like, I, I don't have to earn your love today? God, I, 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 it's been a rough week, and, and, and I know if I can just get in worship and I can praise a little bit, then you'll be pleased with me. It, okay, so I'm going to start off by saying spoiler alert with this. If you haven't seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, I'm going to talk about it. And it was made a long time ago, so really, I don't feel bad. But there's this, there's this moment where Tom Hanks plays the character that's the leader of this group. And, and they, 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 they go through all kinds of trials and they, they are able, through the sacrifice of their lives, they, they are able to save Matt Damon and his character. And, and it's just this, this moving, moving moment. The final battle happens and Tom Hanks' character is wounded and he's dying and Matt Damon's character is there and, and they're interacting and it's in that moment that Matt Damon leans in close and he looks in Tom Hanks' eyes and Tom Hanks looks in his eyes and he whispers these words and he says, earn this, earn this. Like, I watched it, I cried, and I'm like, yeah, earn that. And then later in his, his life, it, it flashes forward as Matt Damon's character is a, an older man standing at that grave. And, and he's trying to bring his life before the grave of this man saying, is it enough? Have I done enough? And he's asking his family, he's saying, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm worthy of this sacrifice. And we can bring that into our walk with God because it feels right. It feels like that's the way it should be. Jesus, you died for me and I got to earn your sacrifice. But I want you to hear clearly, Jesus did not sit, sit, uh, hang on the cross and look down at you and I and say, earn this. He looks down for, at you and I and he says, you're worthy of this. You are worthy of this. Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8. Paul addresses this place of questioning our lives before God. He says this, who then will condemn us? In another place in Romans, he says, who are you? And I, and I love these words. These are words that, that gave me so much life. I was, I was in seminary and I was addicted to pornography and I felt so much shame and condemnation. And, and these words met me in that place and blew away the lies of how God sees me. Paul says, talking to the voice of condemnation, talking to the voice that would try to say, I can't measure up to you. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't meet this standard. Paul says in Romans, he says to speak to that voice of condemnation that we know comes 
from the enemy, from Satan himself, and say, who are you to judge another servant? I don't work for you any longer. You, you don't get to tell me how I need to think and how I need to live my life. I've left your operation. I no longer function under your rules and under your judgment. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. This is the same word, interceding for us. He wants to remind you of how he sees you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen, this is not just the place where faith fills our hearts. It's not just the place where we we step out in faith and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive your gift of salvation, your gift of eternal life. This is the place that God has called us to live from. That in Christ, whether it be by petition of our own lives or whether it be by intercession in the brokenness around us, in Christ, the barrier between a God who sees, who hears, who moves on the behalf of the prayers of his kids, that barrier is gone. And in Christ, we have been welcomed into his presence where he meets us and he transforms us. D.L. Moody is is an incredible hero of faith. He had a practice where he would fill his journal. He had a hundred names of people that he had interacted with that were far from God. And so when he would open his journal and he would pray, he would bring those names to God, people that were unsaved, didn't know Jesus. By the time of his funeral, 96 of the 100 had come to Christ believing in Christ. Now listen to this. This is the amazing part. At his funeral, the final four received Jesus. (laughs) There's something that happens when this ministry of reconciliation that we grab onto it and we say, Jesus, I'm going to bring you the brokenness, not just in my own life, but in those around me, because you are the answer. You are the source. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to ask you to pause and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? How is he drawing you?
We're going to respond to him today. I want to ask you, just your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here and, and, and you would say, Josh, I'm far from God. I'm searching, but I feel him drawing me. And I know he's called me. And I want to respond to that. I want to, I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that, that my life is his. If that's you and you say, Josh, I want to make that step today. I want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After you raise your hand, you can put it right back down. Anybody else? It's the greatest decision you can ever make. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, today we, we respond to your drawing. We respond to the way that you invite us to know you. Lord, thank you that we get to be forever changed today. That we're changed for the rest of our lives. That today, Lord, darkness had met, has met the overpowering power of light. That darkness is being dispelled by the light of who you are. God, we welcome you to do that in our hearts today. We thank you for it, God. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.